0: Welcome to episode 21 of the BM Cast. not a podcast that thinks faithless looting should stay banned because it's too good in dredge, when actually it's dredge that's a 10 on the storm scale and not a one mana loot effect, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Prismatic Piper herself, Emma. How are you doing this week?
1: I am doing okay. I am tired, but I am okay because we've both been a bit busy, haven't we? Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah I'm tired but I'm good. Uh, so I took the week off from any sort of like content and magic and writing because I felt a little bit burnt out so mm-hmm. it's been nice to not do any of that. Although I did feel a little bit lost on what to do in like terms of free time and what to do with it because I was so ingrained in a routine. Yeah. But what I have been doing is spending most of my week doing non-magic stuff. So I've been getting back into my running. I've done a lot of that recently. And I did a little bit of baking as well. So I baked some brownies, which were really, really good. Nice. Otherwise, I'm still playing Link to the Past, still on my Zelda train. And I just picked up the Pendant of Courage. So I'm doing quite well in that. Sweet. And I'm still playing a little bit of Hades as well. And and I'm trying with the bow every time and I just can't do it. There's just something about it. I just I just don't think it's for me. Like
0: That's fair. I mean I can't punch people properly with the fist to save my life. Literally, I die every time I use it. So Everyone's
1: just like, oh, aspect of Chiron, that's like the best one. And I'm like, It is. You must have a different but- <laughs> aspect because I'm not seeing it. It's absolute rubbish, I tell you. But I want to do it because that's the only weapon I haven't completed a run with, so yeah. it's like the completionist in me wants to get it done but is also just not a great weapon to use how about you how
0: are you doing i i am so tired i've had a lot on my plate so, this past week, I've edited the podcast from last week. I've done some freelance podcast edits. I've written Card Kingdom's upgrade article for the new Reap the Tide Commander Precon, which is now up, by the way, and the deck itself is pretty sweet, both the Precon and the upgrade. And Watsy approached me to do a one off production for them. So, I've also been writing a script for that, doing voiceover lines, shooting video, and editing as well. So, I've been flat out. Normally, just to give a little bit of a behind-the-curtain kind of look to everybody that's listening. Normally when we record this episode, it's on a Sunday. I would then spend a reasonable chunk of Monday and sometimes Tuesday editing it and then doing the thumbnail and uploading and all that stuff on the Tuesday. I am going to have to get all of that done today on Sunday because I just don't have the time. I have, I have so many deadlines to hit. So, uh, But it's, it's good to be busy, but I'm really, really looking forward to next weekend where I'm just going to flake... Out and do nothing. I can't wait. I'm gonna just play some webcam commander with friends, and that's about it. Like,
1: we should sort out some pauper EDH on another note. We should. So, if I initiate a Discord call next week and you're not there, should I be worried?
0: No, no, I'll be there. I'll be there. Don't worry about it. Okay, okay, it's all good.
1: (laughs) Making sure,
0: yeah. Magic wise, I have managed to squeeze a little bit of magic stuff in. I got my Naban Wizards deck. And yet again changed it. So I can <laughs> I can never keep one deck and be happy with it. Like I'm forcing myself to keep my Teshar deck intact because I spent so long building it up that by the time I got to it, I'm like, you're not allowed to take this apart. Even though I really, really desperately want to turn it into Emery because that looks really, really fun. I'm like, no, you you did this, just just accept it, you like it, what are you doing? Stop changing it. Hmm. But I had to go with Angry Is it Mages for Nabon Wizards, so I changed it into Adelise the Cinder Wind. And I tested it yesterday with friends, and killing everybody on turn five was pretty sweet, especially nice. considering the deck is like sixty dollars. It's insane.
1: I love it in Commander when people go, "Oh, you can't be aggressive. It's not. It's not an aggressive format. What are you on about?" Then play loads of creatures. And I'm like, okay, I can just kill you turn four, like because yeah. you spend so long like deploying your soul rings and setting up, and mm-hmm. you're just like, I can just kill you. Yeah. Maybe it's a ploy. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, outside of that. I've been working on a new God Eternal Oketra deck with sort of an aggro life gain team. So a lot of stuff that ETBs to, you know, either gain your life or return a permanent you control to your hand, so that you can keep replaying creatures to gain more life. And then while you're doing that, Oketra's also making your tokens. And yeah, that's, that's super fun to play. I basically just opened my box of like cards I own, which are all like budget things. Like it's a taken apart pauper cube. It's random commons and uncommons from like decks that i've built and stuff and i just took all the like half decent white or artifact creatures out of it and just mm-hmm. jammed them into 100 sleeves i went no nah, this is fine and nice. it's actually surprisingly good plus any deck that i get to play traben inspector is an absolute banger oh, for me so
1: talk dirty to me yeah. scott i love traben inspector <laughs> it's half the reason i have soul herder in pda so i could just get to blink soul herder every turn and just dead and draw loads of cards it's great
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> If you enjoy the BMCast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and decklists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, have we got some housekeeping?
1: We do have some housekeeping this week. So we would like to give a huge thank you to Angra R, who is our latest patron of the stonks tier. Exciting stuff, so thank you very much. And enjoy the stonks. So you get to enjoy all our deck lists. You get to enjoy any uh, documents that we curate in terms of budget magic as well, along with all the Mm. other goodies that we like to supply. Beautiful. Another thing I want to mention is that this week, two patrons... I'm going to be sending out like a little feedback form just to see how we can grow the budget magic cast and Mm. any ideas for any episodes you want to see us do or any like general feedback. What are your thoughts and anything else you'd like to see from us really like outside of the podcast as well, because we are quite eager to do like, streams and do like live episodes at some point perhaps as well so there will be an email in the inbox probably around now just some thoughts and some questions if you could fill that out that would be great because it means it can grow the cast and we can cultivate more content for you our lovely patrons mm. and you know we're very very appreciative of what your support and we just want to make sure we're hitting all the right notes
0: yeah As a content creator, the concept of a live episode, by the way, is fantastic. That sounds really, really cool. But as an audio editor, that (laughs) leaves me in sweats because you're all going to get to hear exactly how often we mumble and bumble and say, uh, now.
1: I'm up for it at some point. (laughs) It sounds quite fun, but I feel like that should be a milestone, like a 50th or 100th episode, perhaps.
0: Hmm, Maybe. All right, so what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be looking at Magic Online... A little more closely and how to start off into it on a budget and we're going to be sort of focusing on modern because modern is a very popular format that's what a lot of people want to play in general and everybody knows a lot of popper decks and stuff on magic online and stuff are quite cheap anyway but we're going to be focusing a little bit more on modern because well i don't know if you've noticed this but there's been a bit of a trend recently where people are complaining that they can't play with the deck that they want to play with on magic online because some of the rental services that you can avail of their upper limit won't even let you rent the deck because it's too expensive yeah it's crazy it's absolutely crazy.
1: I would like to blame Modern Horizons for this, because that's part of the problem. So
0: I would also like to blame Uro and Omnath. They're they're pretty big impact on too. this as well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so what happened with Modern Horizons, if you're not too familiar with Magic Online, so when Modern Horizons first came out, there was two ways to draft the set. So you could draft it. By doing like a traditional draft So you would pay for the draft And you get to keep the cards mm. That came to be quite expensive For your average player So the alternative was to do a Phantom draft And a Phantom draft is where you just draft the cards But you don't get to keep them But you get to play in the tournament Naturally a yeah. lot of people did this one Because they really wanted to play the set And the limited format was quite good In terms of the economy What that did was There was just not enough Modern Horizon cards to go around And if you've yeah. been following Modern for the last 18 months You would see like stuff like Renison season Pyromancer, uh, as uh, even the stuff like plague engineer was really expensive at one point these cars went massively up in price just because retailers just could not keep a hold of them so that skews the prices mm. somewhat as well hopefully this is not a case for modern mm. horizons 2 because that would be great and you know more people could play modern but we'll see
0: yeah we will see indeed we're going to start talking about magic online and there are a number of different ways to play magic online on a budget One of the most popular ways, and it's the way that I certainly use it, I believe, Emma, you use it as well, is like a rental service. Yeah. So there are a couple of different options available. We're not affiliated with any of them. Hashtag not sponsored. But we actually happen to use a different one each, and they both happen to be the ones that are the most popular, the most well-known or most founded. So, Emma, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Card Hoarder does and the way it kind of works.
1: So I've been a customer of Card Hoarder for about close to a year now since they started the loan scheme so if you're not familiar with card hoarder they are a online retailer for magic online singles so you can order singles to your magic online account through by buying tickets and so forth and you can buy just tickets in general as well i believe it was last year it could be like earlier last year they started a loan program where Mm. you pay a weekly fee and you get an amount of tickets to use and those tickets can go on whatever you like so you can rent out a modern deck you could rent out a commander deck you could rent out 50 pauper decks if that's something you feel like doing and mm. how it works is you have to apply for it Card cardholder have to approve you they need some details of you so you pay based on how many tickets you want to rent so for example If you want to rent 100 tickets for a couple of pauper decks, for example, you pay 2.5% of that amount, and that's charged weekly. So on a monthly basis, you're paying about $10 a month for 100 tickets, which isn't too Mm -hmm. bad when you think about it, given that the economy in Magic Online is quite different to Paper Magic. Like, So I use it because I like trying different modern decks, and I like brewing modern decks. So having this accessibility for me to try different things was really really good and I recommend doing this if you are looking into getting into modern but you're not quite sure where to start like what kind of deck you want to play so just like renting 100 tickets a month might be a good way to do it also card order do offer a free account when you get five tickets for free to do whatever you want with so you could play like Mm. five ticks modern or like a five ticks pauper deck and doesn't cost anything that's free and yours to keep which is a really really cool thing as well one thing i really really like about card holder which i'm not sure your provider does but you don't get a deadline on returning the cards so there was at one point where i had mono green tron and i kept it for three months in my account i was still paying for my subscription i was still playing it because i enjoy playing tron and yeah, they didn't like kick up a fuss like, oh, you know, you need to return these cards or whatever. They were my on my account and I could return them whenever. So
0: which is mm. pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So card hoarder is one option. And then the other one is I use mana traders. So the idea is that you pay a flat monthly fee. You are allowed a certain ticks limit and card limit. So the one that I'm on. I am allowed to rent up to 120 ticks worth of cards Mm. and up to 150 cards at a time now. If you go onto their website and look for that kind of deal or whatever, you might actually find it because they have loyalty bonuses. So for every X number of months that you're on there, they'll increase the number of ticks that you can rent and the number of cards that you can rent and they'll reduce your monthly cost as well. So I think my cost is something like... I think it's like $7.50 or something per yeah. month. Like I go onto the Mana Traders website, I just place an order, I'd be like, I want these 75 cards, give to me now. And then you put in your Magic Online username, a bot comes along, gives you the cards. They used to keep track of how many errors that you hold on to them for and that kind of thing, but they have mm. done away with that a couple of months ago. So now you can kind of just hold on to them forever. Like They say it's a fair use policy, but they don't have any specific... Details as to like, oh, if you have it for more than 90 days or whatever. I think it's just a case of like, we'll let you just rent them for as long as you want. Just don't be stupid with it or whatever, you know? So it's fine. They also have a free trial where you can rent up to 75 cards to a total of seven ticks, but I think you can only try that trial for, I think it's a week. Okay. So I think it's a shorter time frame compared to the card hoarder one but you get a little bit more so i think it's more just an idea to to get a taste of of how the system works and that kind of thing i find this yeah. one quite useful i know you prefer your card hoarder it's whichever one works the fact that they both have free trials means that you can try them out but with that said card hoarders mana traders if you're listening hook us up yeah yeah hook us up hashtag sponsored maybe in the future who knows
1: you get paid to rant. how great's that
0: I, well i mean we already get paid to rant by our employers the lovely patrons this is that. very
1: true very very true <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes these are both great ways to try and get into magic online because we know that you can't really play in paper other than that on webcam and most of the time that's commander so if you want to play some modern and stuff it can be very hard to do otherwise so they're probably the best ways to do it now the reason that we brought up these is because these are often the best ways to play on Magic Online. Like, yes, you don't actually get to keep the cards, but it means you can try out different things very easily because you can just get one deck, try it for a few hours, try it for a day, try it for a week, send it back, get another one. All you're out is the few quid for whatever amount of time that you've spent doing it. So with that said, the reason that we've talked about those is because we're going to look at some cheap modern decks. Like we said, some of the top decks in Modern at the moment are 1,200, 1,300 ticks, something absolutely obscene and not the kind of money that you should ever put into a digital platform, ever. So, we have some decks that are under 100 ticks. Now, 100 ticks still sounds kind of ridiculous for something that is online, but it is what it is. It's the best you can get in Modern at the moment. And, like, these kind of decks, like we're not going to make any kind of qualms we're not saying that these are like high tier decks or anything they're decks that will absolutely do well just like if you know your deck inside out and you go to f&m you're probably going to 5-0 once you know what you're doing you know mm. that kind of thing so these are decks that sure people at the top tables will laugh at you and be like oh why are you playing that but you also turn around and be like oh why are you so judgy so like you know it, it balances out so with that setup and advance warning in mind let's talk about boros enduring ideal shall we <laughs>
1: Straight in the tier three. Let's go.
0: <laughs> That's tier seven or something, oh. but like whatever, it's sweet. I don't care.
1: Oh, it looks fun, mate. Like <laughs> so if you're not familiar with Enduring Ideal, as in the card, I don't blame you because it's a, a very old Camigal card. So it is mm. a seven mana sorcery that has you search your library for an enchantment card, put it into play, then shuffle your library. It also has Epic, which is a very unique and niche sort of mechanic that you don't see often. And epic is, for the rest of the game, you can't play spells. At the beginning of each of your upkeep, copy the spell, except for its epic ability. So you just get to keep hammering enchantments out. Yep. And you use stuff like Form of the Dragon and Dovescape and just you go ham on people. It's it's proper dirty enchantment control, but yeah. it's really, really fun.
0: Yeah, it's really dumb. So there are a couple of kind of locks in the deck. You run things like Lotus Bloom and Simeon Spirit Guide to try and turbo more expensive enchantments out quicker. You have stuff like On Thin Ice and Blood Moon to be able to disrupt your opponents. Then, in order to protect all these enchantments, you have Greater Oromancy, which gives enchantments and enchanted creatures you control, Shroud. But it has the Phyrexian Unlife and Solemnity lock, where your opponents have to reduce you to below zero and then also do... 10 infect basically in order to kill you but you can't get counters so infect counters can't be placed on you which means that you can't die. 9 lives is the newest edition which was from M21 I was yeah. about
1: to say that, that would go really well in here as well.
0: Yeah so that's in there too it has hex proof, and whenever a source would deal damage to you you prevent that damage and put an incarnation counter on 9 lives and then when there are 9 lives on 9 lives 9 incarnation counters, uh, you exile it but when it leaves the battlefield you lose the game so the whole idea is that you use the Solem with nine lives, so that it can't get countered, so you can't lose the game either. Yeah, it's just weird locks like this, and then you've got things like Dubscape, which is whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, it gets countered and then makes X 11 blue and white bird tokens with flying, where X is the spell's converted mana cost. Now, if they're making like seven thousand birds, it doesn't matter because if you have the Phyrexian on the life solemnity lock, they can't kill you, so these birds mean literally nothing. So if they try to cast anything to maybe blow up one of your enchantments that are important or something, they just can't do it. The idea is that it's essentially, it's a prison deck. Like you've got some removal, you got some ways to sort of turbo out these lock pieces, but then you just actually just lock them out of the game.
1: Yep, and you have stuff like Blood Moon as well, which is a really nice way to punish all the greedy Uro piles that are knocking about at the moment. And also, you have yeah. Leyline of Sanctity, which is a hell of an enchantment just to mm. stop any kind of burn just hurting you. It's gone a bit worse with Mill because there's a couple of cards that don't target anymore, yet you can still Mill. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a really good idea. I do really like the Wheel and Sun and Moon in the sideboard because this is low key one of my <laughs> favorite cards in Modern that no one ever before, plays around. Yeah. Yeah, also the Archon of Sun Grace is really good because you can just sideboard into it and just make a load of 2-2 flyers and just go ham with enchantments as well. In most cases, they're probably going to side out all their removal because you're an enchantment deck, so that's not going to work. So you can just side in the Archon and just one-up them, which is pretty sweet.
0: For sure. You get access to some great things from the sideboard as well, like you have Ravenous Trap for Graveyard Hate, the Wheel of Sun and Moon, like you said, for Graveyard Hate. Ah, you could target yourself with that and invalidate Mill entirely. Yes, done that before nice great nice yeah also in the sideboard you have stuff like torpor orb to turn off etb effects and grand abolisher to stop people doing anything on your turn so that they can't counter anything like that as well but in the mana base the most important land here is nick shrine to nix so you have all these enchantments out you're going to be able to tap for an awful lot of white mana which means that you could be able to get enduring ideal out very very quickly when you mix this with the Simeon spirit guides and lotus blooms it's a really dumb deck.
1: <laughs> it's really dumb and it's really cheap. It's under, what, 70 tickets to go on NTG Goldfish, which is pretty good going. Yeah.
0: On Magic Online, it's cheap enough. Yeah, it's 55 ticks. But yeah. in paper, it's about $450. So if you really, really, really love it and want to do it in paper, absolutely. I'm not going to stop you. You live your best life and you get whatever deck makes you happy. But it is a bit pricey for such a crazy weird deck. Magic Online, though, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely fine. go for it. Yeah. Now... Emma, I have a deck here that I played before. I know you played before. And I think at some point, everybody should play it at least once to try it out, even if it's kind of bad, but it's also great. And that is Scred. Oh, yeah. Did
1: you know Scred won a GP once?
0: I was just about to say the same thing <laughs> to you. So, <laughs> so the idea of Scred is that it's it's a mono-red control deck, basically. But it's not a control deck in the typical sense. Like, you're not... You're not countering things, you're not working at instant speed so much, and when it comes to closing out the game, you can do it in record time. This is possibly one of the fastest control decks, I would say. Because what you're looking to do is you're looking to just play Snow Cover Mountains. Maybe play a Blood Moon to disrupt your opponent a little bit. You play Mind Stone to ramp up a little bit, and you have access to Scred and Lightning Bolt. They're your two main pieces of removal. Scred, the amount of damage that it does is equal to the number of snow permanents you have. So this used to be a little bit better when Arkham's Astrolabe was in the format because you could just run four Astrolabe as well. But basically, it deals damage equal to the number of lands you have for one mana at instant speed, which is quite nice. Yes. When you add to that the Planeswalkers that were running, which is Chandra, Torture, Defiance, Sarkin the Masterless as a little top-end piece, And then Koth of the Hammer is the defining piece of Scred, I would say. Yes. Koth is just so important because it's four mana Planeswalker that you tick up to untap a mountain, make it a 4-4 until end of turn, and it's still a land. So you can play Koth, tick up on a mountain, and then be able to tap that mountain again to Scred something. So you can play a Planeswalker and protect it with a removal spell. You can do my favorite trick with it, which is when you have a Blood Moon out and you untap an opponent's quote-unquote mountain and then you scred it to blow it up for one mana that is that is beautiful
1: next level plays
0: yeah but it's surprisingly good at getting to its ultimate as well caught the ultimate so quickly you just have to take it up twice and then you down take it to get the ultimate and the ultimate is you get an emblem with mountains you control have tap this land deals one damage to any target which is it's insane. So Absolutely insane.
1: There's been many times when I've ultimate cough and going, I'm going to ultimate cough, and my opponent's gone, oh, let me read that. And just the look on their face of dread because they just know they're going to die is is so good because not many people know what cough does no one sees (laughs) that in modern anymore but yeah the card's really really good one little bit of advice i would suggest if you are looking to play grid especially on magic online because magic online has interface issues is that make sure which land you put into play before activating cough's ability because the land doesn't Mm -hmm. get haste there might be a case where you untap the land but you can't attack with it because it doesn't have haste so just be careful which land that you pick because magic online doesn't really tell you
0: that yeah we have one other little planeswalker that i haven't really seen show up in Scredless, partly because Scredless haven't really been showing up but chandra acolyte of flame is actually insane yes absolutely insane all three modes are incredibly good in this. So, three mana for four loyalty planeswalker. Zero her to put a loyalty counter on each red planeswalker you control. We'll get back to that in a minute. Zero to make two, one, one, red elemental creature tokens with haste that you sacrifice at the end step. So that's a little bit of a clock. And then minus two, you can cast target instant or sorcery card with CMC three or less from your graveyard and then exile it. So you can get another lightning bolt, you can get another scred, that kind of thing. Now the key with her, is the zero to put the loyalty counter on the red planeswalkers you control. So what happens is if you play Chandra Acolyte of Flame on turn three, then on turn four, you play, we'll say Chandra Torture to Defiance and tick her up. And then you zero Chandra Acolyte of Flame to put a loyalty counter on each Red Planeswalker you control. Suddenly Chandra Torch of Defiance is on six loyalty on the turn that you play her. And then if nothing happens to her that turn, which you'd be surprised how often nothing happens <laughs> against Scred when you're running tons of removal. If you then zero Chandra Acolyte of Flame on the next turn, you can immediately ultimate Chandra Torch Defiance. Like, that's insane. That's absolutely bonkers.
1: So good. There are a couple of variations on the spread list. So the list that Scott has is very planeswalker focused, and um, mm-hmm. so it has your Chandras, your coughs and your sarkens. There are variants that are more dragon based. So you run stuff like storm breath dragon and thundermore hellkite, and um, you do run sarken, but you run sarken the oh, what's his name the free mana sarken from core twenty that ramps into dragons. So you can play your frets ahead of curve mm-hmm. one thing i do like about this list as well is that it runs Maze mine tone which is a card i'm a really big fan of because it's been mm. cropping up in like tron lists and one issue that i've had from playing scred is being able to draw cards because you have scrying sheets yeah. to filter your draws but you're not necessarily drawing whereas Maze mine tone is just a really good option
0: yeah for sure and the final bit to talk about with Scred is that when it comes to closing out the game, I said it's one of the fastest control decks in existence, I think, but it has really, really powerful threats as well. Like you have Goblin Mastery, you have Hazorette the Fervent, you have Crusher Giant, and Pia and Karen the Lara. They're the creatures that you run. And they're all just incredibly efficient, incredibly dangerous, or have a lot of flexibility in them. So, you can adapt to a lot of things. Now, the best kind of matchups for this kind of deck are things like Dredge. Because if you want to, you could just main deck four Anger of the Gods or stick them in your sideboard. This list has two in the sideboard. But it also has four Relic of Progenitus in the main board. So you can just turn one in game one, turn one, relic, go. And then like your dredge opponent's going to be like, I hate you. Well, like, what is this?
1: <laughs> I've experienced that before because often you play relic just as card draw, but it's got an upside of just maintaining the graveyard just because yeah. modern goes on that axis. But yeah, it's really good just mm. to have that option. Another reason why I like Scred as well is because, yes, we've talked about like Goblin Rabble Masters a really, really good option if you anticipate more combo decks. So if you see a lot of like, I know it's not popular at the moment, but stuff like scapeshift and add them if you play like a turn two, turn three rebel master, you're good to go and they're not going to be able to deal with it. Yeah. There are points where you can just be the aggressor as well as, you know, trying to be controlling.
0: For sure. There are a couple of combo decks that are absolutely heinous matchups for Scred. It's definitely the worst kind of matchup for it. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Storm, not great but yeah overall it's really really fun to play and if you haven't played it i would at least recommend if you have a rental account or something try it out go rent it give it a go because it just it feels like just good magic i don't know what it is about it it's just good magic
1: fair good magic yeah can't beat
0: it now unlike what we're talking about here with scred with fair good magic do you want to lead us into the next one there emma your next choice
1: Yep, yeah, so this is a, a modern classic from its past, and one that I've played a fair amount and is very dear to my heart, which is Jund Living End. So, Living End was a very popular strategy like two to three years ago because it attacked on a particular axis that's very hard to beat, which is from the graveyard. It's quite a high creature density, but you don't cast the creatures, you cycle them. So it's essentially as a cycling deck. So what you do is you cycle cards like Archfiend of Ifnir, Street Race, another really good one, Desert Ceridon, and you just pile up your graveyard full of these creatures and then use something like Demonic Dread or Violent Outburst, which has Cascade. And if you're not familiar with how Cascade works with Suspend Spells, because Living End is a Suspend Spell, Basically, you get to cast that Living End for free off a Cascade. And when Living End comes off a Cascade, you can just put all these creatures into play and you just basically board wiping. And you just have these massive threats because like Archfiend of Infinite is like a 5-4. You've got the Carabid, which is a Mm -hmm. 4-4. You know, Street Racer, 3-4 with Swamp Walk, which might come up in some cases. But yeah, you're just piling up your graveyard, Living End, and then you just have all these threats. And it's a lot, a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun playing, living End, And the yeah. best thing about it is that it's pretty cheap. It's like 80 tickets. And that's including fetchlands as well. So
0: Yeah, it's a sweet deck. I don't have a whole lot of experience playing with it. I have quite a bit of experience playing against it. Back in my old LDS, it was someone that played it every single week. And yeah, I kept getting got by the fairy macabre.
1: It's so good. You know, like
0: I would purposely allow stuff to go into my graveyard or mill them over myself or something. Find some way to put them in so that when they're living in, I'm not entirely boned. And nope they were just like okay well with living end on the stack i'm just going to discard fairy Macab, exile those creatures from your bin and now they don't come back and i'm like god damn yeah <laughs> the great. only
1: creature that you are pretty much only casting is fulminate a mage just because you can sack to blow ups mm. and lands and then bring it back to sack and blow up some more lands against the tron yeah. matchup it's got extra value but yeah it's just really really fun it's a bit old school it's not really around anymore like the asphalt living ends tend to be the preference mm-hmm. but if you just want to play something completely quirky and completely different it, this is a really good one my only advice from playing it is that don't be too greedy on filling up your bin because graveyard hate is quite common in modern yeah. but doing like an incremental living end for like six or seven power is absolutely fine because it might be enough in some cases so yep. also if your opponent's size and graphic is cage it does absolutely nothing against living end
0: yes that's quite nice i do like that i'd say it's one of the more fun quirky graveyard decks for sure yeah
1: so yeah next one is one that you're quite attached to in recent times
0: yeah weirdly i wouldn't have expected this had you told me like a year ago MonoBluetron is great. Like, I don't know what it is about, it just, I, I think it just feels like a good old-school draw-go control deck. You know, like, you're really not, like, people have this misconception that MonoBluetron is all about assembling Tron as quick as possible and then just doing worse things than Greentron. Anytime time I hear anyone say that, I just picture them with clown makeup on, because that's not how it works. Like, the way it works is that it just works like a mono-blue control deck that eventually will assemble Tron either naturally, or they'll just see an opportunity where you can just go and get it kind of quickly, and then use that mana advantage to leverage the game state in your favor. And you do that by playing cards that dig, while also disrupting your opponent's game plan. So... The ideal cards for this are Repeal, to be able to bounce things and draw a card. Condescend, to be able to counter and get a scry. And then stuff like Remand, to be able to bounce things back to your opponent's hand and draw a card. It's just putting your opponent off kilter long enough to be able to find ways to finish the game. And it does it really, really well. There are a couple of matchups that are really, really poor. But for the most part, it's got game against a lot of stuff. The fact that you can run stuff like... You could run a trinket mage package where you can go and tutor up a walking ballista or a chalice or a relic of progenitus. And all of these can be run in the main board. You usually run a treasure mage, which I have in my build here, which lets you tutor up one of your big win conditions like the Slaver lock or a Sundering Titan or a platinum angel, or even one that you don't normally see in Monoblutron, but I play it anyway, is Torrential Gear hulk because oh, I love it. Spicy. One of my favorite cards of all time. Yeah, and then just for removal, you have stuff like dismember, you can run Spatial Contortion if you've got particularly aggressive metagames. It's just really good. It just draws loads of cards. It counters loads of spells and then just plays huge, huge fatties that close the game in a turn or two. And it does this by eventually assembling Tron. Like, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's just looking at the list, you have answers to everything. So, you know, you have these big threats. You've got Condescend as your like de facto counter spell, which is really mm-hmm. flexible and goes well with the Tron Lands. You even have Psychonic Rift as a way just to reset the board if, you know, things get dire mm-hmm. and then you have stuff like fabricate that like, can tutor any UB cards and even running like a factor fiction just for extra card draw which i think is really cool as well
0: i gotta say one of my favorite things to do is to factor fiction to find the last remaining tron land that i need then playing the last remaining tron land and then flashing in a gear hulk to flash back factor fiction
1: oh that's dirty. that's happened
0: so many times so day oh it's so good Also, cards like Remand are incredibly good right now. People are starting to try and like tap out on turn four or whatever to play an Omnath and then play like a land. And if you Remand, they've just wasted their entire turn, you know, because they're holding on to that land drop. They're not going to play it before they get the Omnath out because they want to be able to get the triggers off of it. So Remand is incredibly good. They are less likely to have interaction with that like Mystical Dispute or whatever now because of that. And having a Relic of Progenitus in the main deck is very, very handy. Sundering Titan, particularly against the money piles, the money tribal decks, the Uro, Amnas, <laughs> um, Renin and Six, whatever ones. Sundering Titan is just eight mana, I win the game. And you'll be surprised how quick you get to it. Yeah. But it also runs and i love this it has a lot of little tutor packages like i said you've got the treasure mage and stuff you can run trinket mage if you want there's a fabricate in here to be able to get any artifact that you want but the expedition maps are not just to get the tron lands you can go and get a field of rune to blow up something you can go and get the academy runes to do the mindslaver lock or you could tutor up a talario est which can then go and transmute to get you a threat like walking ballista. Or you can go and tutor a blazon to be able to remove stuff. There's just so many different answers that it has so many different workarounds for different ways to play around things. It's just, it's so much fun. It'll, you look at it and you're like, ah, oh, this feels a bit janky though, doesn't it? But it is and it isn't. Like, yeah, it is kind of janky because you're not just going Herder, turn three, Tron, current liberated, I win the game. It's kind of like the thinking person's Tron, but I like it. It's just, yeah. it's neat. <laughs>
1: So looking at the list, it just screams at me this is a cube deck because there's just so many one-offs, <laughs> which is great because it's very versatile in that way. But I agree. If you want to play Tron with decision trees, then this is the great way to go. I'm actually considering building this at some point just because I have Mono Green Tron and being able to go. I fancy Mindslaver locking some people this weekend. I'm just going to play mm. Mono Tron. But yeah, a bunch of this has been reprinted in Double Masters as well, as I'm going to keep going on about it, so it's quite cheap. (laughs) And if you feel like at some point you can run the Khan the Great Creator package as well, because there's just so many options and lines to take.
0: Yeah, with that one, it is considered to be the better option these days, running a bunch of Tottenham series and Khan the Great Creators and then turning your sideboard into a wishboard, but... I like having my sideboard slots and Current the Great Creator on Magic Online is suffering very similarly from the Modern Horizons kind of thing where yeah. it's like a hundred ticks for a playset, so no thanks.
1: Yeah, so War of the Spark is really skewed online as mm-hmm. well, which is unfortunate because I think Teferis are also quite expensive. So
0: Yeah. yeah this is great if you are a control mage you want to try and take control of the board you like it's almost kind of tempo as well because you do spend a lot of the time just knocking your opponent off kilter long enough to be able to get something down to end the game yeah it's very good but at the exact opposite end of the spectrum emma we have a final deck and oh my god is this cheap both in paper and online
1: so it's six tickets online for a start, <laughs> and it wouldn't be Emma talking about budget magic if she doesn't try and shove some cheap artifact creatures and white creatures into a deck. So I have Mono White Tempered Steel. So if you're not familiar <laughs> with Tempered Steel, it's a 3 manner enchantment. So for one generic and two white, you get an enchantment that says, artifact creatures you control get plus two, plus two. So what are we looking to do is cast some really, really cheap threats. So you have stuff like Memnite Ornithopter, you have my bread of Sun, Gingerbrute, which is really good. <laughs> and then you have volt Scurge just to mitigate the life loss. Eventually you can ramp up into something like Ex-Champion, which is really, really awkward. You're turning on Metalcraft very easily in this deck. And with that, you have stuff like Servo Expedition, if you want some extra tokens. Dispatches, like your budget path to exile, because in most cases you're going to have Metalcraft and this is just going to be great. And then you have stuff like All That Glitters, which is a really good aura because everything's pretty much an artifact or an enchantment. So you're going to pile through so much damage. So equipping All That Glitters to a Ginger Brute is a really, really good way to go about it. And then your lands are pretty straightforward because you're mostly planes, but you have stuff like dark Citadel out and you have blink mob Nexus as a way to try and get some damage in through the air. It's very, very cheap, very, very straightforward. It's turned sideways tribal and it's great.
0: It's neat. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this. Like, If you want a deck to beat up on like slower control decks, like Monoblue Tron for example would have an awfully hard time against this. So would control decks that are a little bit slower like the scapeshift kind of ones because this will just get you dead before you have the opportunity to enact a game plan or interact at all because generally speaking those kind of decks are very low on interaction on turn one and two which is where it's going to be very important to be working so yeah.
1: yeah. And if you want to change it up and you don't want to play the Tempered Steel, you can just run four venerated Loxodon and have a similar effect.
0: Good old loxobots. And
1: just play Loxabots, which is probably one of my favorite budget brew decks that's came about. I think it's really neat. Yeah, your sideboard's pretty straightforward. You've got a couple of disincharges. You've got a gut shot as well, which is a good answer because there's a lot of X-1s in the format. And then you mm. have stuff like Welding Jar just to save your board against sideboard like, board wipes and stuff. It's very straightforward, very cheap. And your games are going to end quick as well. So yeah,
0: this it's is really sweet. cool. And I might take this out for a swing later tonight.
1: Yeah, it's really sweet. I really want to build bots in paper at some point, and I want that to be my my budget sort of. If someone wants to get into modern but don't have a deck. I'm like, here's bots Enjoy. Not only is it good, it has a really cool name.
0: You just want to build every deck in modern.
1: <laughs> I do. I really love modern. I think modern's really really sweet.
0: We should have a five text modern tournament sometime.
1: We should. I can easily Mm. make this five ticks.
0: All right. So that's it for the five different modern decks that we would recommend to try out that are really, really sweet, that are under 100 ticks on Magic Online. Emma, we normally end the show when one of us says something funny or something to be able to sort of just roll into the outro, but nothing has naturally occurred. So do you want to try and force it to happen? Do you have any good jokes?
1: So I have a really good joke and I'm so sorry to everyone that's listening. So why... (laughs) So, why is there no milk on Bant? Wait, what? Why is there no milk on Bant, as in the shard Bant?
0: I have no idea.
1: It's because they're lactose intolerant.
0: <laughs> <gasps> <gasps> Thank you for listening to the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BMCast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud and support us over at patreon.com forward slash Budget Magic Cast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.